listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast, affectionately known as The Mog, an open forum and promotional outlet for budding artists and creatives from all across the Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Brad Cox, not necessarily affectionately known as anything other than Brad Cox, but I'm here all the same. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on The Mog. Friends, East Coastians, and country men and women of all ages, welcome to the Mog. As always, links for our guests will be made available in the description, and a song or some type of promotional feature will be tacked on to the end of each episode. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Capricos Books, Musicland, Black Eyed Susie's, Double Groove Brewing, Baltimore Decal Gal, and Reb Records. Remember to love local, support local, and to eat and drink local. Don't forget to use discount code Mog. Pod for a 10% discount at Capricos Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing one of Black Eyed Susie's legendary orange crushes and a killer lunch or dinner. Black Eyed Susie's has been supporting local for a long time. It's your one-stop spot for original and cover entertainment and an afternoon or evening out with friends on their rooftop deck. If you haven't heard, there's something very special about Double Groove Brewing. It's a melting pot of personalities, ages, loves, interests, and musical tastes. There are hippies, professionals, rockers, folk artists, friends and families here. Throw in the most delicious and satisfying craft beer on the planet and this place is complete magic. They are tireless supporters of the local talent. Stop by their location in Forest Hill for a pint and a night out with friends. The Authors and Artists Gift Sale is returning on November 5th from 9am to 2pm. This annual event showcases the work of local authors and artists who gather in the Bel Air Armory on Main Street to exhibit and sell their work. Harford Dance Theater is bringing back their holiday classic, The Nutcracker, to the Amos Center on December 2nd through December 4th. For tickets and details, visit HarfordEvents.com. The Hip Play Ballerinas, blending their unique fusion of hip-hop and ballet, will be coming to the Amos Center on February 26th at 3 p.m. For tickets, visit tickets.harford.edu. The Rock Spring Financial Group brings the American dream to life with hard work, dedication, and pride. Rock Spring Financial Group offers full-service mortgage loan options to either assist with lowering your interest rate, consolidating debt, or buying a new home. They maintain a local reputation with honesty, competitive rates, and trustworthy loan officers. Call Rick Metzger today. He's local and actually has an office in Bel Air, Maryland. Tired of speaking to loan officers from an online outfit? Go with the local folks at Rock Spring Financial Group. Give them a call at 443-801-6389. It's 443-801-6389. They have a five-star rating on Google. Stop by and find out why. Derek Pence, also known to many as Zenobia Darling, is an author, artist, DJ, podcaster, and self-described Warholian drag superstar. In short, he's a cornucopia of arts and expression. He's traveled from small-town Happy Grace to Los Angeles to Las Vegas and beyond to share the beauty of his craft and continues to evolve as the modern-day visionary and influencer he is. He's traversed a sea of trials and is here today to talk about how he allowed his heart to truly guide him into the future, the power of art therapy, and how he learned the importance of staying true to oneself. Join me in welcoming Darling Pence to the Mog.
Derek, welcome to the Mouthful Graffiti Podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. I'm caffeinated, motivated, <laughs> That's and good. I'm ready. And we got more caffeine for yes, you. So. Yes, Well, I stopped by Taco we'll Bell this morning. We'll just bring the pot down here. Oh, yeah, perfect. That's true. Wait a second. You stopped by Taco I Bell? By, I've never had Taco Bell breakfast. I didn't know they had breakfast. I, I've been wanting to see it for a while. I'm never up this early. Is it so. eggs? Yes, it was. I had the uh, steak breakfast crunch wrap. That or, sounds real good. It was so good. Does so. it got the, the potatoes in there? Like yes. The, oh god. Like a nice hash brown with like. Then they added that like nacho cheese and like whatever the jalapeno ranch sauce was. So uh, like I was in heaven. I was like finally. I feel like I'm gaining weight just hearing you talking yes. about it. So that, well, fantastic. I mean, I'm so active and like I dancing and yeah. whatnot. I'm like I you're eat gonna garbage. burn it off. Yeah, uh, you and might like, just burn it off before the podcast is over. Talking. That's very true. You know, very you, true. Well, let me read the news real quick and we'll get right into it. Transcendent Events is bringing StellarCon back to the APG FCU Arena on November 19th. So visit the official StellarCon Facebook page to learn more about getting tickets to the Stellar event. Rapola Entertainment is bringing Makeout and the Figured Out Tour to Zen West with Kings of the Wild Things 408, Don't Panic, Heartbent, Morning in May, and Ben Dahan on November 18th again to Zen West. Have you been to Zen West? Yes, I have. It's a really cool room. Yes. Yeah, it's like part Chili's mm-hmm. and part like old rock club. Yes. You know, it's yes. weird. And finally, Feed the Scene has Pilot the Gunner, Tired Radio, God damn it, best band name ever, <laughs> and Celebration Summer coming to the crown on November 20th. Finally, be the first to message me the word drag to win a $25 gift card to the Baltimore Decal Gal. Derek, I wanted to get you on the show like two weeks ago. I, I have not had any time. I work at the college and cultural events and it's cultural event season. Just oh, been yes. crazy. But you just had an event at the Armory called Costumes and Cocktails. I think I got it in the right order there. Yes. On October 19th, it was with the Harford Artists Association. Talk to me about that event. How did that come about and what was it like? So I'm an artist. I'm a painter. That is like anymore. It's what I'm more passionate about than drag. Plus like drag. I'm getting older. I'm kind of looking in a way to kind of reformulate performing as a drag performer instead of the typical lip sync, like, you know, high performance stuff. So I want to bring in a little bit of that Las Vegas, um, like performance art with like places like Meow Wolf, which I love, um, kind of do that, but brand everything with my character. And I started going there to start exhibiting my artwork and it just naturally had a conversation. Yeah. Just conversation wise. I was like, I can do this stuff. And then most people in Harford County don't know the level performing that I'm at. Cause I I don't really, I kind of come to Harford County to kind of like decompress from out West because LA and and Vegas can just get after a few days. I'm like, okay, can I go to the woods and just paint and not be bothered? Right. You know? And can I say like, you know, Hey hon, I can only take so much gluttony and debauchery. I just got to get back with nature. And it's like little stuff where like my accent and, 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 saying like little Baltimore things that like are very homey to me that like I miss. So I like coming back and it's more painting. And then we naturally just started talking and then they were having a Halloween bash. And I'm like, well, Halloween is my thing. I'm a spooky drag performer. I love that. Maybe we could dub this a a Halloween episode of sorts. So So that's what we'll do. Oh, yeah. And I'm definitely a paranormal investigator. As I well. know. So that's why it's like Halloween. You were like spooky. trying to track down the Mothman. I, yes. Yes. The Mothman. He's my favorite cryptid. I have so many weird synchronicities with him. And my first stand up set I ever did where I didn't bomb was at this underground DC um, comedy club. Like it, I was at like two in the morning on like a Tuesday to like right. four drunks. And I think like, you know, some twinked out meth getting a job from like a demon. Meanwhile. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm up there trying to make these people laugh. <laughs> right. And I was like, you know what? I was like, and it was October. And I was like, I'm going to go into my paranormal stuff. So I started talking about how I kind of view these cryptids 
Like they're all like gay subtypes. Like Bigfoot is a bear. The Mothman, he's like this gothic, like leather daddy twink. And I was kind of like, can you help our listeners with the story of the Mothman? Who is the Mothman? I remember the Mothman prophecies. Okay. Well, that's what it's based. So the Mothman in late 1960s in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is like the western edge of West Virginia on the Ohio River, right across the river from Ohio. People kept seeing this winged hominoid creature. Okay. All black, red eyes. Oh. floating around scaring people and it was around the TNT area which Naturally. is actually oh yeah which is like this abandoned um World War II munitions factory and oh. and then up for about I think 12 or 18 months they people were seeing them and then they had a bridge collapse over into the river and it killed like a bunch of people and that was the last time they saw the Mothman and then the town that's how of, the movie ends yes, I believe yes yeah yeah where I think the bridge, they had something with the bridge collapse, but um, but they capitalized on like the paranormal, like celebrity of the Mothman, and now Point Pleasant is like a huge paranormal tourism hotspot with like a Mothman museum, which is one of my favorite places. And this, the whole town has a good vibe to it. Yeah. So, and very he, cool. Oh, so, yeah. with the event at the Armory, I appreciate that you're bringing some of that out west to small town Harford County. Yeah. How was it received? I could tell people they didn't get it. I could tell that my performance art, they're used to that type of stuff being on the TV and they're not actually interacting with it in real life. Whereas they were actually dealing with it in real life. And I could tell there was an uncomfortability about okay, it. Okay, well, but good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, good. Like, you know, you you are growing and like you're kind of realizing like what happens out there and yeah. kind of this stuff happens here. It's just we're going out west and not doing it here. So, so a- any favorite costumes that you saw there? There was um, a Mad Hatter, and I forget the queen from Alice in Wonderland. They looked phenomenal. I was in zombie drag, which, you know, was so much fun. Uh, there was uh, Scully from um, not, not the X-Files. Now, when you're in zombie drag, are you Zenobia at that yes. point, or is it a different? Okay. So I do have four different drag characters. Okay. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Zenobia is the main one. She's the one that everything has. Um, and there's other ones, but they, it all depends. And I don't really, they're more on like the stage side. Like I have hot Shelby. She's like a Dundalk, like East Baltimore trashy stripper, but like a John Waters character, but she's more in a play. Whereas Zenobia is like the main one. So, and she's the one that has the most fame. So the event was very successful. You had black eyed Susie's was there. Yes. Who else was there? Did you have like falling branch independent as far as beer Um, and wine? Because it it was beer and wine, right? Yes. Which I was shocked that they were able to do that. Yeah. I was more on stage. So like, I I forget exactly who that was because that was all like the gallery and the association doing that. Whereas I was super cool doing the DJ, but like to have that level of stuff, like come to the armory was definitely very like it was very cool to actually be doing that in Harford County. It kind of was that moment for me where I was like, okay, I do feel seen here. I do feel where people are, even if they don't necessarily get it, I had the opportunity to actually perform. Yeah. Do you think they'll do it again? Oh yeah. They're doing it next year. They so. are. It's already signed up. I said, I was like, you know, if anything happens, this is a workshopping event. I was like, we're going to get better at it next year. We're coming back. They're already, we've our meeting in a few weeks about to do it again. You're born and raised in Havity Grace. Yes. And, and Havity Grace has always had an open arm for the arts. Yes. And, and I think that's really cool that we're getting that here in Bel Air. Talk to me about Havity Grace. It's got the State Theater. It's got the Star Theater now, I believe. Yes. There's which was my op- old high school surprise. Yeah, yeah. which it's a stage I performed at that's something that like 
you know, I, I saw Melissa Eshridge there a few weeks ago at the after the pride stuff. And I kind of was like, how ironic is that? Because that's one of the first stages I've ever performed. She's still at. performing. Oh, yeah, I guess she is. Obviously, she, but... Yeah, she did. And she and she just recently made a, an appearance on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which like shocked me. It was a weird synchronicity in my life because I've like studied Real Housewives. And that's kind of what my like thesis was on was on reality show and specifically that show. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there with. Melissa Etheridge literally singing and I was like wait a minute I'm like this is a full circle moment so right right that's that's wild so for somebody that's never been to Habity Grace Mm -hmm. I think it's worthy of a a description it has that small town charm the small town feel it's very laid back it's not very it's not busy and it can be busy but it's it's just that nice small town feel right on the water it's really one of the only places in Harford County where you can be right on the water because a lot of our yeah. waterfront is APG and whatnot. Um, I love it. I just like walking around with my camera like during the day and just kind of taking photos and and just kind of, you know, meeting with my other artist friends there because I have a lot of art community people there that I'm a part of. There's, you know, there's like John Keaton, there's Ezra Berger, there's Karen Hartline. Um, just all these. Can we tag them all in? Oh yeah, feel free to. Okay. They're all cool with it, especially you know, because I think um, there's another one, Robin Capecci. She's a solo show coming up at a gallery there. I'm gonna so. get a whole list from you. Oh yeah, so they all are, and they're all good people, and we all kind of support each other in a w- weird way because it's like you know, art is right now having such an issue just with funding and just trying to just be seen and present. And a lot of times in in Harford County, there can be this stereotype with art where people want like bucolic landscapes and and very traditional Harford County stuff. But there's so many other artists that are so broad that, yeah, they do that stuff. They do other stuff. And, and Happy Grace actually is starting to really see that and want people like all these artists coming in. So that's very cool. And you perform in Habity Grace? Um, I haven't performed in a while. My art studio is there. So occasionally if you like drive by, you know, my studio. And a lot of times I'll do like drag photo shoots it, under the Hayden Bridge at the Joe K Trail. Really? Yes. Yeah, so there has been a few times where I will be in full drag and people just are on a hike and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, I'm a drag queen. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm just, I'm doing my art. <laughs> like, because people do graffiti under there and I like to use that graffiti. As a backdrop. Yeah, because like, I, I want to promote the graffiti artists. Some of the graffiti that happens there is like so next level. So, so your art studio, is that open to the public or is that um, just your own personal? It's art? my own personal okay. space. So like my art is like a ritual. And even though I'm, I'm an extroverted person and a performer, sure. I, I, my natural state is very introverted. So when I create, I just like to like, you know, isn't and, that an interesting dichotomy? Yeah. Like, I feel like as a performer that I tend to be more extroverted when I'm on the stage. Yes. But otherwise, I don't really want to be messed with too much. Yeah. I don't like my friends will be like, oh, you want to go to Looney's? And I'm like, no, no. I really don't want to be around that many people right mm-hmm. now. That's how I am. It's like Isn't you that know, weird. Yeah. It's like I don't want to be out. And then a lot of times sometimes if I go like in Baltimore and sometimes in L.A., I'll get recognized a little bit. And even though I, I like being recognized because it makes me feel like my art is actually like big enough where people recognize it and they recognize me. I just want to be left alone. And now, when it, you're in Las Vegas, <laughs> are you dressed as Zenobia the whole time, or? Um, well, even when I do stand-up comedy, like I have boy drag. So Zenobia is a fully thought-out theater character. So right. she has a girl side and a boy side. So, like at the event, um, at the costume and cocktail event, I was in full glam female Zenobia. Whereas when I do stand-up, I'm in a boy Zenobia, which is she's. He's more rock star. If you're familiar right. with like Jeffree Star, the makeup yes. influencer. Yes. I have like a Baltimore version that's of that. That's very MySpace. Yes. Yeah, that's... I, Jeffree Star, <laughs> like I always say, like if it wasn't for him, 
I wouldn't be here because he really, his artwork really helped. Well, when you were saying you were being recognized, that's why I was asked if you were dressed mm. like Zenobia because I feel like more people would recognize Zenobia than Derek. Mm. Well, normally it's people can they'll they don't may not know my name, but they'll recognize me as someone on stage. Like I don't know okay. if it's like a like you know, and I have a natural star power. I've been told like people recognize me. They can't figure out where, sure. and it's. You know, and then when I talk to them and I say, they're like, wait a minute, what? And they normally tell my accent, especially like on the East Coast and what on the East Coast, people kind of my accent blends in, but then they that's when they're like, Oh, Baltimore, like stuff like that. So yeah. and I, I have auditioned um for a lot of reality shows out there. So that's also another a lot of reality stars recognize me just from that circuit. So well, before we get into the hat, which has got all these topics oh, yeah. in I'm it. I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah. I want to kind of flesh you out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Bands you were into in high school. Okay. I feel like it just kind of paints the picture. Yeah. What, what music were you into? Um, let's see. Well, Lady Gaga had had just started coming out my senior year of high school. So you graduated 2009, I, right? Yes. Okay. So she had just started coming up. I kind of knew about her because she God, made I feel old talking to you. It's like anymore, I'm starting to really feel my age because I'm like, people nowadays don't know some of these people. But um, so like in high school, I was a really big Britney Spears person. Okay. Madonna. Madonna is like, I mean, it's father, son, Holy Ghost, Madonna. Like, I love her. She's still awesome. She is. I love her. Um, I think uh, Good Charlotte. Like, I'm also very emo, very okay. punk. So, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So I didn't want to assume it, but and yeah. I also thought maybe you'd be into some of like that post-punk alternative. Oh, yeah. Like bands like The Damned, I think would be a fit if yes. you're going to get into like uh, more of the, the post-punk. Oh, yeah, definitely all that. And I'm very big into, like, the UK punk scene, too. Which, yeah, that's... that's so, the, I mean, yeah. I I have, like, there's a leather jacket that was inspired by the lead singer from The Cure, and I was like... I, that's always my image when I go into boy drag is that type of stuff. So, like, from back then, so... Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's a good Charlotte, uh, Madonna... Britney Spears, um, Kesha kind of into Lady Gaga, hands down, my number one. I love her. She's an amazing person. She is. I just, yeah. And then I started getting more into like EDM. So there's an EDM band called Corella, who is like, they're like my favorite. So, and then random DJs. So now this is uh, for the performance. Is, does Zenobia, I noticed that Zenobia has her own playlist yes. on Spotify. Yes. How close would that marry with Derek's playlist? Um, so when I get it for the Zenobia, I definitely, she, I need to use that. The Zenobia stuff more is for me to get into character. It's stuff that I don't necessarily like perform as, but I, you know, I like to bring a little bit of like R and B, a little bit of like really intense hip hop. Like there's a group called the city girls that like, that is on my playlist, little Kim, stuff like that. Also a huge, like R and B person and rap. That's like. You know, Nicki Minaj is another one that like those are more Zenobia playlists, whereas Derek is more the more the punk stuff. Too, okay, so you would ask that maybe put a thousand doves. Yes, at the end of yes. the episode, I can't do that. But what is the significance of that song? So that you? song, so Lady Gaga when she wrote Chromatica, she was in a very dark place, and like I the she fame was, monster got her. Yes, the fame monster <laughs> got her. And she is a very traumatized person. She's been through a lot of trauma. I'm very similar to that. And she was in such a dark place. I think she was working with the producer Blood Pop with it and they were having some dark conversations and he kept telling her, "You need to like you need to go like dance. You need to go happy and bring out the darkness." So the whole album, I mean, it's a dark album, but you don't really feel it 
because it's so dance. And A Thousand Doves was a song she wrote about, about like suicidal ideation and kind of her trauma and what happens with that. And the first time I heard it, I was like, there's something to this song because it's a, you can tell it's a supposed to be a ballad, but they put like an EDM beat to it. And I just always, which was, is cool. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and they always poses it a bit. Oh yeah. And they're always the best dance songs are like sad songs, dance. Cause I loved crying on the dance floor and you know, it just spoke to me. And then when I had um, a virtual show, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do, I want to do a Gaga song. I was going to do like rain on me or like her first song, Alice, or like maybe something from born this way. And I was like, I want to do that song. I'm like, let's do it. Did this whole thing in my art studio. My little brother filmed it. Um, where like, I was like this like suicidal influencer, like trying to work it out with like, I brought in like the neon, like body glitter and like body paint. So I was done up like her Las like her Las Vegas Enigma show. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just went for it. And I was also dealing with a lot at that time. And like a lot of that trauma was coming up. And afterwards I kind of was like, okay, like I feel like I got something out. And then I then I hit me why she wrote Chromatica because it's for that reason particularly because she did the exact same thing. So when I got approached to do um, a show with the Kennedy Center, the collegiate the Kennedy Center Collegiate Theater Festival through Towson, they asked me if I wanted to, you know, perform at it. And I was like, okay, yeah, why not? And since that video touched me, I was like, let's do that. And I ended up winning it because they were like the level of raw emotion that you showed on stage was something we've never seen before. And so it was what moving. would the show be like? Um, so I was in full, I was in Gaga drag. It was more like uh, Zenobia does Lady Gaga. It wasn't necessarily my Lady Gaga impersonation. So right, there right. was a little bit of it, like the blonde wig, but I had on like a, a dress. It looked like she was like self-harming, going back to kind of that Jeffree Star. Because Jeffree Star on like MySpace, he would, you know, do these like high fashion, like photos of himself harming. And that's something I've also struggled with. So I kind of brought in yeah. theatrics about how to, you know, let's, let's showcase a self harm. And then I also like feeling the songs. I was emoting it while I was lip syncing it. And then it's a dance song. So I actually was starting to like dance and like, you know, and like some of the fake blood was like, flinging on the audience and it was a lot of fun like a and then concert just oh yeah because yeah. that's the other thing is like you know um another person marilyn manson was a huge influence growing up so it was a little bit of like that marilyn manson coming out too and but i mean they they got it and they loved it and all the judges were like that was it's a amazing display of emotion on stage so yeah you talked a little bit about uh the trauma aspect mm -hmm. and how that developed there's an Obia Darling character yes. on Rich's show, but you didn't really get too deep into it. Do you want to talk about? Yeah, some of I mean, that? I'm open about it. So yeah, it's well, something I wasn't going to ask, but then I saw your mm. Amazon review for the the first book, and I'm like, well, he's talking about it right here. Yeah, so I mean, my maybe we could talk books, about it on the show. Oh yeah, my all my books are because it is told from my drag character. I felt safe enough to really like just go there with it. And so my first book, I mean, I'm dealing with like, you know, I have a sexual trauma in my past. I, you know, and I grew up gay here before in Hartford County before it was really accepted and invisible. Right. And I mean, through middle and high school, I mean, every day I was called like, you know, the F word, diva, drama queen, you know, just horrendous, purposely excluded from stuff, like very traumatic stuff on top of already kind of having like a, a very difficult like home life. And it had to be very isolating. It was, it yeah. was because on all I had was my imagination. And then, you know, and then watching like Madonna and, 
and Britney Spears through the stuff. And then I started getting into stand-up comedy because like Joan Rivers and Kathy Griffin are two other ones that have really influenced my like performing stuff sure. as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was like with all of those coming in, it just it all kind of came together. And I created Zenobia when I was eight after I was sexually molested because I um at, at the age of eight. Yes. Wow. So it, and it happened repeatedly from the time I was um eight to about twelve. It happened multiple times by different people, and I kind Ugh. of it was it was a mess. And and um I remember that night I kind of was after I was like very like traumatized, and I imagined this like punk rock mermaid like coming in to save me. And the yeah. next day, I like drew her. I have that drawing tattooed on my arm because. You know, because it means that much to me. And then I just recently found out yesterday that, you know, a lot of kids that have been through sexual trauma, they they identify with mermaids because with a mermaid, they don't have sexual organs. So oh, wow. it's like a way to protect them, which I kind of was like, wait a minute. I was like, what? That's kind of mind blowing, right? Yeah. And I was like, that's a weird synchronicity that I just found out yesterday that that happened. So, you know, and then it just kind of evolved from there where, you know, I wanted to really just keep exploring the mermaid side. So and kind of exploring this feminine side that I was feeling. I mean, I'm a Gemini, so I definitely have like this dual personalities in a way. And she kept coming to come out. And I was like, let's keep exploring it. And then over the past 20 huh. years, it's just been me doing it. So being that she was created so long ago, how has she evolved? She well, she she was originally like a mermaid, right. and she became like a a punk rock like zombie, like right. just very like insane, like very you know intense, hoary, and then na then she got kind of glamorous in a way, and right now she's a mix between the glamour and the horror. So there's a show called The Blue Lay Brothers Dragula, okay, with it's it's basically RuPaul's Drag Race, but it's with all like the horror queens, and like I've been I've almost got casted on that show last season, so. It's something where like that's my brand and that definitely is like a mix of all that with a little bit of, like the sci-fi makeup. Like I love being on stage with like fake blood and yeah. doing stuff like stapling money to my legs and stuff like that. So not painful at all. Yeah. So this is a weird synchronicity. There was this ad that kept coming up and I must have been looking at it for the entire morning. I was coming up with all these questions, mm -hmm. but it was a gigantic pink ad that said drag. That was a new Canadian drag show yeah. that's coming. Okay. And I was just like, well, literally, what are the chances mm -hmm. of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, drag is mainstream now. I mean, and I have my own issues with a lot of it because I feel like it's it's starting to sanitize. I like drag to be a little bit more like subversive and underground. Sure. Because that's where like the, the fun stuff happens. Like, you know, and it's something where that's why I like coming in and seeing drag in Baltimore. Like I was at a drag show last night because it's still even though it's mainstream here, it's still the underground, like the John Waters, the punk rock drag. Oh, yeah. That I love like which is that's the stuff that makes me the happiest. I ran away to Hollywood in 1996. Okay. And one of the first places I was taken to was a club called the Kings and Queens. And is it still open? I don't know. Okay. Where but was it, it at? Was, it was wild. Ugh. It was every fetish. It was everything you could possibly mm -hmm. imagine. And it was, it was cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I it love was. it. I, oh, I love it. But anyway, um, that was my first introduction. So, you know, coming from Harford County, man, mm. yeah, I had not been exposed to anything. Actually, the reason I left was because I was raised in a very religious household. I was okay. like, there's got to be more going yeah. on out there, you know? So anyway, let's get to the hat. Let's okay. pull the subject out. Okay. We've already kind of discussed it. We'll see if there's anything else to explore. But Okay, first one I'm pulling out, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Okay, so, so 
Um, I will preface this by saying that I am a huge Las Vegas enthusiast. I go two times a year. Okay. But for me, it's typically I'm going there for poker, buffets, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're more of the strip Las Vegas. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because with Las Vegas and I, there is the strip, but then outside of it, you have all the people who work on the strip who just don't want to be bothered and don't want to need to deal with that chaos. So right. it's, it's very like Henderson, the Arch District um kind of like east fremont that's kind of where i i kind of stationed at the art coming out of the art district right now it's in a process of being revitalized and the art coming out of it is like next level it reminds me of a lot of like what came out of new york city in the 80s so i i think in like 10 years this little like art tip it'll be that's it's where it's going to happen at but that's where i'm at and also i like the paranormal stuff and there's a huge paranormal community in las vegas that are very open to you know to have in my drag and what i do and it's it just clicked so how did you end up in las vegas so i was dating a guy um or not so much dating we were talking he was an astrologer and he moved there and los angeles right now is it reminds me a lot of south africa which is the level of like personal safety happening now and just like with like the the homeless issues and stuff oh wow and yeah, there's yeah. a huge exodus Same out of san LA. francisco oh it's yeah, it's a it's insane out there. And, and it's um, expensive. Yeah, that too. That yeah. too. But there's kind of this mass exodus of creatives out of LA, which I I've noticed people have been talking about, but they they've been more talking about it with like stand-up. Like people are moving to Austin and and stuff. But Las Vegas is where a lot of like the you know queer artists and people are moving to. Did you get to perform in Las Vegas? Um, not it was very more underground. Okay. So I've done a random like open mic nights on the strip and stuff, but I was mainly doing makeup art, like freelance makeup artistry out there. So I can't say who it is. Just have an NDA with them. But the person I was doing makeup with is, is dating a very famous paranormal investigator. So it was like, I got into that scene. I got to meet all them. I know all of them. And I have done little, and they do freak show stuff at this place that I was doing and then and I, I, I still don't want to say it on mic because sure because of the because no, like try because i did it once and they kind of said something but it's like they kind of do freak show stuff so i have done a little bit of stuff there with them and, and then i was also researching into paranormal reality television so i kind of that's how i got the connection so i mean i i wasn't really going to bring this up but uh since it is a halloween episode now yeah. dubbed so i'll put mm -hmm. some fun ghost music underneath this give okay. me your best ghost story if you need to think about it for a second okay feel free but i would like to get a good ghost you want story it, like, from because i have i have ghost stories i mean i have a psychic ability so i and i've been seeing ghosts since i was like eight i've had so many experiences so i i have many in harford county i have many in this in baltimore i also have some in vegas i have some in you seen anything Are we good mm. we alone yeah i don't i'm not sensing anything so okay good so for now, it feels very the space feels very cleansed. I can tell like there's definitely there's good. We vibes had some in here. really. Can I tell you a story real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I've, I've told this story one one other time, but I feel like going to Los Angeles often. You'll appreciate this. Well, I know L.A. is a very haunted place. Well, OK, before we went to Los Angeles, my girlfriend at the time gave me this ring. It was two people having sex. That mm. was that was what the ring was. It was a uh, really cool ring. Uh, and I was down in the Playa del Rey and I was at a band practice and I lost that ring behind a couch in Los Angeles. I never saw it again until about six months later, I came home and, and we looked everywhere. It was, it was nowhere to be found. And my room was very, uh, and my house in Bel Air was very much like this room. Mm -hmm. You'd see something on the floor, yeah. certainly a big silver object. 
Anyway, I was having all this stuff happen when my grandfather died. And uh, I was I just freaked out one day. I was like, look, if th- if you're real, if you're trying to give me a message, you're going to have to give me something definitive. And I looked down and the ring that I lost was on my floor. Oh, so then Ooh. I took the ring and I gave it to this girl at a bar and I said, keep this. And I didn't really even know the girl that well. I was like, "You, I want you to keep this. She said, why? I was like, because if you lose it, I'll know. She's like, how will you know? I was like, I'll know. So, if, Oh, my gosh. So anyway, that's, I love it. that's my little story there. I love it. But anyway, give me your best ghost story. Okay. I was doing a tour of Zach Bagans Haunted Museum in Las Vegas, which is a huge, huge place out there. And he, that building has so many haunted objects that when I walked in, I felt like I got hit with like a dark, um, just like a dark, like plastic wrap is how I would describe the energy. And so we were like, go, I was doing a normal tour with a bunch of people and it just was me by myself and everyone, cause none of my friends would go. They were like, we're too scared. I'm like, well, I'm not like, I want to do this. And like, I've loved ghost adventures. It's like my favorite show. So I was like, I'm going to there. It's like, so we're in the haunted doll room and they have, mm. cause they have a whole collection of haunted dolls. Annabelle style. Oh yeah. I think they actually have one from Ed and Lorraine Warren oh. there. And that's the one, cause they keep a spirit box on it, which is like one of the ones that does like the radio frequencies. And I walked by it and as the group and all of a sudden it shouted out Zenobia and like I froze. And then the tour guide was like, what is, what was that? And I was like, I was like, that's my drag character. And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm a drag performer. I was like, the damn doll just said my, my drag name. And that's when I was like, that was like the one where I was like, this is not cool. And then. Why we were well, leaving, I kept... It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it is cool, because I was like, oh, I got recognized. But I can also see, be like, I- I'm out. I was like, you know, that's a little too personal to me. And I was like, and they did not know I was a drag performer. So I was like, I didn't even mention it. And the fact that specifically that, and that was probably the, mo- the one that freaked me out the most. And then afterwards, I kept seeing shadow people following us in the museum. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Best drag places in Las Vegas. Okay, so there's Piranha Nightclub. That's where you're going to get a lot of the um, there a lot of the girls that was on RuPaul's Drag Race were on there. Okay, because um, and a lot of the drag that comes out of Las Vegas is um, is celebrity impersonation. So you have drag performers like Derek Barry, who's like a really famous Britney Spears impersonator. Okay, the most legendary drag performer. She inspired me uh, to even get into drag. She was on the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race, named Chanel amazing she does all sorts of stuff very glamazon so piranha is a good place and then like random places on the strip if you see like a joan rivers impersonation club most of them are top-notch drag performers so and you went out there also to do comedy yes so i was just doing open mic night to me this is a fascinating part of your story Mm -hmm. it's completely juxtaposed but obviously comedy comes from a place of pain too yes so talk to me about the comedy how you got into the comedy you talked to me already about like some of the bad nights we all have bad nights oh yeah especially in comedy i I mean i mean i bought i mean i would say if you do stand up you're gonna bomb more than you kill and it's like you just gotta roll with it and i mean it's just you it's part of that empathy you just gotta like roll with it but i mean i've always been i come from a very funny family like my dad okay. is very funny you know and nothing was really off limits and humor is how i got through stuff and then all through like to watching rally television pop culture all the comedians were like who i gravitated towards i mean i loved i mean i talked about it before joan rivers is like one of my idols i got really big into kathy griffin i got really big into um 
Whoopi Goldberg and like Robin Williams and Jen Carey yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of them because I'm like they are my people I could tell and like Robin Williams wasn't afraid to like act in drag with like Mrs. Doubtfire right, which is that's something, true yeah yeah oh yeah which is something I very identified with early because I was like oh I want to do that and it just kind of kept going and going and then when I was at Towson I kept always taking um, for my acting classes because I have dyslexia. So learning lines can be a little bit of an issue with me and kind of regurgitating them sure, like, yeah, to yeah. script. So I was trying to find other ways I could do it. And I kept doing like solo performing. And all my teachers were like, you are a natural stand up. Like, you know how to be funny. You know, comedic timing. So when I was out visiting my friend in L.A., I just randomly would see open mic nights and just sign up to it. So gutsy. But you're also far away from home. So if you do bomb, you don't have to necessarily feel like everybody in town knows. it. Oh, yeah. And I kind of I like to do like a bit of like pop culture humor, like making fun of some of this stuff and. And then being out there and kind of doing like freelance hand makeup, being in the drag scene, I've met celebrities and some of them are just so stupid and so ridiculous. And I'm like, can we, and they don't have a sense of humor. And I'm like, can we talk about this? I'm like, cause there's some things that like, like there's one celebrity that I had a really bad interaction with who like is such a, a tool bag that I'm like, I want to make fun of them. Can we, can we get a name? Yeah, Demi Lovato. I don't like her. Okay, so I, I don't. I think she is someone who I, I think people are afraid to say what she is like, what she's doing is that she's struggling with mental illness. And because of what, how old is she? I think she's like in her late 20s. She might be my yeah. age, but she's someone but she that got into it. So yes, young. And, and she has trauma and I'm not negating that. But also it's like you're in the public eye and you're doing stuff that is clearly you struggling with mental illness and people are afraid to say it because of like woke culture and the culture wars and like they don't want to offend stuff when i'm like she really needs to like you know just kind of get out of the public eye and just really work on herself and there's been a lot of bad interactions like she said something about pronouns about being in drag and i just was like what are you doing like stop it like you're not being cool like at all like i'm a drag queen and it's three o'clock it's 3 a.m on a on a tuesday at a drag show like this is not the time to discuss you know what my proper pronouns should be and then and then there's stuff where like you know i'm in recovery from an eating disorder and i'm very sensitive to that stuff and when she did the the stuff about the frozen yogurt plays i want to be like bitch check yourself like you sat there and you're bitching trying to hurt a small business I was like, frozen yogurt is diet culture because frozen yogurt is marketed as a healthier alternative to ice cream. Eat the damn ice cream. I'm like, that's your eating disorder that is clearly not being regulated that you need to work on. And yet no one wants to talk about it. So that's probably the most insane one just because with me, it's like I I have empathy as someone struggling with mental illness. At the same time, I'm like, well... Stop being crazy. <laughs> Where have you performed in Baltimore? Where could people catch your comedy show? So I actually, my YouTube shows now, I kind of, I tried okay. to do, I went to the State Theater and did an open mic night there. Okay. Um, I bombed <laughs> just because it's not my, I was doing Demi Lovato material and then also I, and then I kind of changed it up where like the pioneer woman, like the woman who like cooks the stuff and she lives on Oklahoma farm. She's full of shit. I'm like, I'm like, you're an LA influencer who, you know, nagged a billionaire and now you're just doing your little food network bullshit and, you know, doing her prison issued recipes (laughs) because I'm like the same, all her recipes 
I've seen prisoners do on prison documentary shows. So I'm like, and no one gets it. And I'm like, so I went into that and I just, I bombed, but I'm trying to get back into it anymore. I've been doing like podcasting is probably where the standup comes out. So the yeah, most. you do podcasting, right? I used to. So, well, my whole thesis, Well, I want to come on your podcast. Okay. Well, I don't have one right now. So well, I will reboot I, it back up. I have one. <laughs> I, I want to change it up. I want to, I have one pitched about paranormal stuff. I want to start getting into paranormal pop culture because my whole thesis very cool. at Towson was on the Real Housewives and the Bravo brand of reality TV. I'm very connected into that world. You know, talking about the Real Housewives, talking about a lot of like the social constructs and, and issues within that. And I want to do that, spin it with, with paranormal pop culture because it's the same thing. It's like, you know, with Real Housewives, a lot of people don't watch that, but a lot of people watch, you know, Ghost Adventures and Zach Bagans is, he still uses a lot of the Real Housewives theatrics in his show and no one really picks up on it. I'm like, I want to make fun of it. I want to make fun of him. I want to make fun of like, you know, taps and ghost adventures and all that or ghost hunters and all that stuff. Have you seen 28 days? The, it's the zombie movie. No, no, it's, okay. it's a paranormal investigator show, but okay. it's, it's very well done. At least in my opinion, I'm very easily amused. Mm -hmm. Like all horror movies, whether they're good or bad, I kind of assume they're going to be bad. Mm -hmm. I like them. Yeah. People are debating the, the, the new Halloween movie. It's like, it's good. I liked it. I, yeah. Like the new Hellraiser movie. I'm like, loved it. Like, I love the, so yeah, I get it. You've got a lot going on. Yes. Do you feel like as you're getting older, like your focus is getting a little bit more precise? Yes. So you're starting to realize, okay, I, I really like, because you can't do everything all yes, the time. Yes. Yeah. So, you're, so you seem like you're focusing on the ghost hunting. Yeah. The ghost hunting and anymore. My main passion is my artwork. I love painting. I've been painting since I was, it's my, it's self-care to me, but it's it's something I do. Like if I go on vacation, I'm painting. Yeah. And anymore, I'm starting noticing that I'm like really narrowing in on the art side because that's the side that I'm like, I love not getting out of performing. I'm always going to be a performer, but how do I bring in the art into the performance and like really want to do art advocacy and like art stuff, like therapeutic art stuff, really try to help reuse the art that's helped me to help others. You have a new book coming out. It's yes. called Rockstar Life Season Number Two. Yes. But this is a follow-up to obviously Rockstar Life Season Number One. Yeah. You have an event on November 4th at the Hartford Artist Gallery. Yes. To, I guess, a book release of sorts. Yes. Please be advised that since the taping of this episode, dates for the Rockstar Life Season 2 book signing may have changed. Check the link in the description for details. So talk to me about season number two. Obviously, it includes poetry, well, diary mm -hmm. entries, really, but it, probably some poetry in yeah. there, uh, as well as artwork, paintings of yours. Yes. So it is... Um so it what I, my story is a written reality show. It is um it's you know I study it so it's it's basically my drag character as like you know a reality show. Yeah, yeah. And I go there and I I talk very openly about my trauma issues, my my um you know, my just my mental health and the shit I've been through and whatnot and how I use the painting for it. But also I talk about your artwork. Just uh, to time me out real quick, it's got a very Key West vibe to it. Yes, yes, which I really enjoy. I do, I, Key West is a fun place. Yeah. So sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, you're good. So it's 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 all of that, and then it's also more of just like I want to celebrate pop culture, and I want to kind of bring in the humor and whatnot. So season two, it's a little bit less intense as the first book. The first book, I mean, you're really getting to know like 
you know, some of the the real big T trauma I've had to go through. The second book's more of like, you know, during the pandemic was one of the worst years of my life, the hardest years. And you're kind of seeing me in was it the isolation. It was the isolation. I had a lot of family stuff happen. Like my grandmother died. And then like just the chaos that kind of her dying and, you know, her lead up to her death caused. Like, you know, I don't talk to some of my family members now from a bit because it was just very intense and I just put it all out there because I'm like, yeah. you know, it needs to happen. Plus, like, I couldn't perform. My whole industry was shut down. I graduated from Towson in May of 2020 to all of live theater shut down. And uh, I, I was stuck in have degrees. And it's like I used to, like, really go out west. And and I'm I'm very you back and travel. forth. You couldn't yeah. go anywhere. And I was stuck. And I all these old issues that I never really dealt with started, like, really coming up with me. A lot of times, like, how isolated I've always been. How I, I don't really feel, feel seen or welcome or really understood in Hartford County. And I was in real time trying to deal with that. Plus, at the same time, like, you know, I have a level of, you know, success out there. And a, a level do. where I'm like, I want people here to know who the hell I am and no one really does. And they didn't understand it. And there was a lot of stuff where they thought that like my, um, my drag was sex work because I, I do pole dance. I'm a really good pole dancer. I love it. And, um, they kind of thought it was sex work and stripping and just a lot of misunderstanding about it. I think it. it's a misunderstanding of what yeah. it is. And it just was triggering a lot of that old stuff. So I was like really hardcore processing that and kind of to like get by, I kind of was leaning into the paranormal kind of almost not as like a religion, but that kind of was like my higher power into it. So that's kind of where that, that all came into it. Do you believe in angels and demons or just I do, so. positive and dark energy kind yes. of thing. Yes. So I definitely, you know, and I have experienced this. I mean, most ghosts are humans. There's good humans and there's bad humans. So you're going to have all that in the spirit world. Plus, you know, humans can manifest stuff and they can conjure stuff. And you have this happening since the dawn of humanity. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of misunderstood things that have been conjured up and stuff. So I think... Any artist you ask will tell you, I don't really know where the ideas are necessarily coming from. Not yes. all of the ideas anyway, in the sense that they feel like a receiver. You could mm -hmm. talk to Keith Richards and Keith Richards would be like, I, I don't know Keith where the songs come from. Yeah. I just pluck them out of the air. I feel the same way. But maybe you're not plucking them out of the air. There's something that's trying to speak through you. Yes. And you're just a conduit. It's like it just kind of comes out because mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll sit down with uh, the guitar and mm -hmm. a piece of paper and a song materializes. Yes. Didn't sit down to do that. Yes. And I think the more open you are to it, the more it flows through. Yes. And I definitely, I mean, I always say painting, there's a spiritual and drag. It's all a, a ritual. And theater, I mean, the basis of theater was, came from the Greeks, where the ancient Greeks, where they were trying to summon Dionysus, the Greek god of theater and red wine. So, and we just continue that. And I always kind of joke, I'm like, what's going to be the theater that finally summons him? Like after centuries right. of try, I'm like, watch it be some like shitty, you know, elementary school production of like i don't know jonah and the whale or something like right. but you know but that's kind of it's all it's very spiritual and like yeah. my drag character i feel like is you know almost like a past life with me like i i have i've done past life regression and one of them told me that i was an ancient atlantean and like zenobia feels like that and that's kind of how i feel a lot of my paintings like i don't really i just kind of get in that state where it just comes in and 
and and all that stuff and writing too it's like once i get in that state it just it flows i don't know where it comes from and then i'm kind of like whoa like you know and to write my when i started writing my book i did julie cameron's the artist way where you write three pages and those three pages after nine months is my first book basically so it's kind of just like once i cleared my head of all that i kind of looked down i was like wow i actually like did something without realizing it and it just it just downloaded yeah it's, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I remember Jimmy Page used to say that he would get the Ouija yes. board, and that's how they would get some of their lyrics. Yes. And there's a certain mysticism in mm-hmm. Zeppelin in particular, yes. but I think you got to be careful because mm-hmm. once you open the door, you don't know who or what's coming yes. through. Yep. But uh, I always say, keep your wits about you. I mean, the Ouija boards are different from a spirit box to any- which is such a weird thing for yeah. Mattel to sell. Yes. Can you imagine to the sales? kids? Right. To, I'm like, can you imagine the-, the sales meeting like? Well, Don, it looks like sales on uh, demonic possession is down. We got like yeah. Well, let's get it up. So let's let's have the kids conjure God knows what. Right. So no, I get it. So it's it's such a weird thing. Yeah. Now let's go back to Zenobia a okay. little bit. I feel like if people were willing to be honest with themselves, we all have these other sides of ourselves mm-hmm. that we want to explore and want to allow to come out. Yes. I'm also a very socially anxious person. So I I have really bad social anxiety. I also have a lot of social trauma. And I don't really like performing as Derek. When I am I'm on stage, I like, you know, podcasting is different. I like to be myself, but because in this in this environment on a podcast, I definitely it's more I can say I can be more real, but like when it comes to like on stage. Like when I do stand up comedy, they always like, "Can we? Who are we billing you as?" I'm like, "Do Zenobia," and they're like, "We're not in drag," and I'm like, "Just do it anyway," because right. that's how I get by, you know. Because I know there's some performers that like have to get drunk and and they take pills and stuff, and it's like that's fine. Like you got to do, you got to do. Like it's you're being vulnerable, but with me, I'm like, I'm just gonna get in drag, and that kind of very that's very intimidating to people, and that I like to thrive on that because it really puts it's like putting my superhero armor on, right? So, and most people have that and most people have a duality of feminine masculine energy we live in a society where you know it's hyper masculine and then hyper feminine and they don't really mix where i'm like most people are more fluid than people realize yeah, I, think, I think you're right at some point i will introduce you to nikki thunders which was an alter ego pop project that i did oh can't wait so he, oh, can't but wait. he's he's uh he's a club kid he's just yeah the, oh the club kids i will introduce you to to nikki but one of my friends asked me at one point, he's like, how do you deal with writer's block? Mm-hmm. I was like, be somebody else. Yes. And he was yes. like, what? Yes. I was like, yeah, be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or write through somebody else's experience. Yeah. And he's like, well, months later he came back and he's like, it worked. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, your life is only going to be as interesting as it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, those things in your life will they'll manifest when, it, when the time's right. Oh, yeah. All right. Back to the hat. Another hat. Okay. I got books. So they're on Amazon, hashtag rockstar life. Um, The second one's coming out. I'm pushing for Halloween. I will just say when I write. Is it a series of diary entries like the first one? Okay. Yes. It's the exact same thing. It's just, um, it picks right up. So the first book is from, um, I think it's August, September 2019 to May 2020. The book picks up May 2020 and goes until about last July. So you're really getting a lot. Of, and I was ha- I was in Hartford County, so it's very it's based in Hartford County. And you're seeing me deal with a lot of the triggers. I'm dealing a lot with my like some of the fucked upness my family has done to me, my trauma. So this is very cathartic. Yes, I mean, and that and I'm having issues editing it. Like I was supposed to have it come out in September, and 
I had to take a break from editing because it's so intense to me and like reliving it that like I kind of had to take a step yeah, back that, that would and be. I'm kind of on the fence. I, I might have to push it back again because I'm halfway through my final edit and I got to a chapter where I was like, okay, I need to take a break. And so it's supposed to come out on Halloween. Just follow me on Sonobi Darling Creative. It will be out by the end of the year is what I just say. So, okay. So Amazon, are you familiar with Fright Reads or Capricus books? I've heard of them. Okay. So- I've heard of them. Fright I am Reads, looking for a publisher, I will say. Fright Reads would be perfect for you because yeah. it's it's like a Halloween book sale. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So I'll put you in touch with Harry Carpenter. Capricos Books was an old bookshop right behind the armory in those incubator locations. Yes, that's where the that's where the gallery is. So. Yeah, so perfect. And they're haunted. Those little buildings are haunted, too. I can't see how they wouldn't be. At the Harford Art Association, there is a, um, there's a ghost of a mechanic I keep connecting with. Really? Oh, yeah. So we were having a board meeting and I'm sitting there and I kept looking up and I kept seeing this like spirit in like. And you and, can see. Oh, yeah, I can see spirits. So um, it's not so much seeing like seeing a person like I'm looking at you, but it's they're more shadowy, but I can make them out. And I kept seeing him because we were in the back gallery space where he normally hangs out. And I could tell he was pissed that we were back there and he wanted his space back because we were having our board meeting so i've it was stuff like that where you know those buildings are haunted and the armory is haunted so i believe that oh yeah the armory definitely and i've i've been asking them in there like what ghost stories have you had like this facilities dude like and i can tell they're very like you know they don't want to talk about it but they're like yeah it's haunted here's the thing i don't understand about ghosts in general mm-hmm. why don't you travel why, why do you stay in the same yeah. spot over and over and over? Because th- they can follow you. Or is it just you. a snapshot in time? It's like a snapshot of energy mm-hmm. that we're picking up on. Uh, I don't know, like a movie that keeps playing the same yes, scene. Yes, that's the stone tape theory. So there's two different there's two different types of ghosts, really, that um, I've interacted with. Tell there me about the is, stone tape theory. So the stone tape theory is it's an old... I've, it's a theory where like your energy is imprinted on like in stone and like it holds on to that energy and replays it almost like a movie. So just that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so those type of hauntings, they're just playing a move, a moment in time. They're not real. Like they don't really interact. They're not a, like, I'm mean, it's not a smart entity, but they're not like actualized entities. Whereas there are certain ghosts where, you know, they're, there and they can move around and they're self-aware of themselves and right. they're self-aware you're there whereas most of the time with like the stone tape theory you know the ones they're just living their lives and they're just replaying the movie because energy's there or the traumatic event that happened there and they're they they're not as not smart but they're not as intellectual whereas i've dealt with some i mean when the one doll said my name that is a intelligent entity right there and it's like nope <laughs> yeah i'm like nope whereas like at the armory I just kind of think that it's just a dude that was his happy place. I get the the feeling. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I probably I think he had a, you know, probably had a troubled marriage. And that was like him being a mechanic work because those back shops were the um, where the garage is. Yeah, you're right. The armory. And I think he just worked on that. And that was his happy place. And that's where he wants to be. Because I feel like if I was a ghost or I was in some type of purgatory, I would travel. I'd be in Paris or Egypt. Yeah, I would be everywhere. <laughs> so, I'd be in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I would be here, there, everywhere. Like if I, I would want to be in the limelight nightclub in like 1994 with the club kids that's like my heaven to me so the club kid michael ailey yes he got out and then he died yeah yeah i was his story is kind of dark oh yeah didn't he like like decapitate somebody he killed a drug dealer and then like they were on pcp in a hotel room and that's kind of the that's kind of the last real drag movement 
before like Drag Race picked up. So right yeah. when that happened, that happened in 1998, drag died. And I mean, when I started, when I was go-go dancing in DC back like in 2010, drag was dying. Like it was like, everyone said drag shows are not selling. And then RuPaul's Drag Race came on and it started, it slowly started. And then five, six years ago, it really just popped off and now drag is back. But it really was the club kids was the last real drag movement that happened. Yeah, you can look at like those old like Jerry Springer. Yes. I think he is it a man or a woman? Was it Lisa Lake, Carrie Lake, uh, Ricky Lake, Ricky Lake? Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah, you got to go back and watch those shows because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, like you know, what's really weird though? Let me tell you a story real quick. So Nikki Thunders, my first EP was called Club Kids. I wasn't even aware of the Club Kids. I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. And the club kids, I mean, they were, they're very Warholian. And that's one of my main influences, Andy Warhol. And John Waters is a Baltimore version of Andy Warhol, I yes, kind of learned. Yes. So they were very influenced by that nightlife. And their drag was more like gender fuck. It wasn't really female drag, male drag where it had been. Whereas a lot of the drag before that was, you know, a lot of them wanted to be like 1940s movie stars, like Joan Crawford and stuff like that. Whereas they were doing their own original characters, spending time on it, but it took a dark turn because a lot of them were into drugs. A yeah. lot of them were into really dark stuff. And I almost think that them do, because drag is a theater ritual. I think they were summoning stuff. And I think some other darker entities started taking over. And James St. James is another club yes. kid who was close to it. And he said on a few interview stuff that made me question like, I really it think got dark. Yeah. And they got dark. And I think because what they were doing, I mean, they were doing like murder bloodbath stuff and like, like, I, and you know, there's so many accidental overdoses that happened at the limelight that I'm like, and that's in my second book. I have a whole thing. I just p- put that excerpt on my art blog um, on my website yeah. and the, te- the 10 places I want to ghost hunt. And one of them is like the old limelight building. Cause it was a, it was a church until it was decommissioned in the seventies. And then Peter Gation bought it and turned it into like a mega New York dance club where the club kids came and took it over and were doing their stuff, which, you know, I'm like, that place has to be ripe with haunting. So yeah. Yeah. We're going to go back into the hat. Okay. Let's see what we get. I I feel like we've indirectly kind of covered a lot of things, but go ahead. Okay. South Africa. Great. Perfect. We did not cover South Africa. And the fact that you actually, I guess you learned abroad there. Yes, I was. I studied abroad there. I was in Cape Town. Learned abroad. What am I talking about? Oh, studied you're good. abroad. That's you're all what good. I, I loved it. I worked for a um a nonprofit, a therapeutic art nonprofit called the Butterfly Art Project. Cool. They're good people. Um, they are in Capricorn Township, which is a um a segregated township or was segregated during the apartheid government. It's built on a former dump. And South Africa is like the United States of Africa, where people from other parts of Africa immigrate there okay. for better economic opportunity, but. It's, so there's a weird gray area and there's a lot of inner, typical inner city issues and they really do therapy there. So I was there. I loved it. I was doing great work there. Plus South Africa, just Africa, the continent in general just has such a vibe to it. So you are you like on the Madagascar side? I know I'm on. Um, I that that's more of um that's more of the East Coast. So that's more of the tropical Africa. That's like oh. Mozambique. South Africa is on the very southern tip, the Cape of Good Hope. Okay. So it's like, it's more on the Atlantic side. So any culture shock? Yes. Yeah. Well, when I was there, um, it was kind of ironic because when a lot of the pandemic happened with like Black Lives Matter and all that movement. Sure. I actually all the stuff that a lot of I think white people were dealing with trying to with, trying to grapple with all that stuff. 
I got that was the culture shock I had over there because I made a comment that I didn't realize was offensive. And over there, they openly talk about race issues because apartheid was so horrendous. Mm. And when you go over there and you actually learn about the history of apartheid, not the sanitized whitewash version that like, you know, Americans put down like with Oprah interviewing Nelson Mandela, when you find actual out who Nelson Mandela was, you're kind of like, wait a minute, he wasn't this gentle, peaceful grandfather that he's made out to be. Right. And just little stuff like that. But I made a comment. And I mean, they read me and I was like, oh, so I really that. okay, noted. Like, let's not do that again. And so that was probably the only culture shock, but it wasn't culture. You didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. And 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 I grew from it because then I came back to to the United States and all that happening when a lot of it happened with a lot of my friends. I'm like, I've already been through this. And like, this is this is what happened. Like, this is why you're doing it. And it was explained. And they were and in South Africa with the culture shock, they were very you know, they're used to talking about it, which is something that people here are not t- used to talking about it. Yeah. So how about Los Angeles and Las Vegas? Did you have any culture shop going there? And how yes. old were you the first time? Well, you the went? first time I went to LA, I was, it was in 2012. And I mean, I loved it. It was, so you're 21. I'm 31. No, no, no. You were 21. Oh, yeah, I was 21. Time. Yes. Yes. So, um, I kind of just went out there. My sister um, travels a lot for her job and she had to be in LA. And I was like, you know what? I have my opportunity. I, could, I just had to pay for airfare and I could stay with her. And I just wanted to see it because I've always wanted to live there. I'm obsessed with like the, you know, LA and West Hollywood and just kind of that idealized thing. I went out there and I loved it. And then the by the second day, I was like, oh, that image of L.A. is not the real L.A. Like I would kind of was like, oh, like that was more my culture shock where it was like the image that has been projected on like the hills or like on a reality show. And then you get there and you're like, you know, seeing no. a car fire and you see like, you know, and you, then you go on like that one strip where like the Chinese theater is where I was like, oh, this is not what this is. And, you know, there's a methed out Batman oh, fighting yeah, there's with a, Iron definitely Man. a dark side. To yeah. It. Yeah. And the more I was out there, the more I kept picking up on the darker side. So, yeah, pretty much West Hollywood and the seediness. I kind of like that, but in the same right. time, it was like I there was a little you bit of play that. with it, but not live in it. Yeah, not live in it. So, no, I, I, I get that. Um, any you want to get back in the hat? Yeah, let's do. Yeah, let's do the hat. We're, I so. feel like we're we've covered a lot. Yeah, no, I hey, I can I can keep going. Uh, what is this one? I don't know. Oh, Los Angeles. Let's see. Los Angeles. While you were in Los Angeles, did you ever meet any famous people? I did. Okay. Who'd you meet? So I used to date. A and comedian. did you talk to him or did you just kind of play it cool? It was kind of cool. I um, One I will meet, I met Elon Musk. Um, did you really? Yes. Well, not only that, um, I'm I'm a huge Grimes person. Like Grimes, like the one who he had a, he had a kid with. Um, I was at a comedy show and just so happened he was, I used to date a comedian and he was performing there and he's very big in that world. And he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff. And I, um, I came off stage and they were just there and I just, and like, I could tell he kind of was like into me in a weird way. Like I, Elon. Yeah. Cause he had, he likes, <laughs> we're tagging com- Elon into this episode. Oh yeah. Well, you know, and it just was, it was real quick and brief, but I could tell he was like into me and that was probably the best one. Cause I was like, and I could tell he's really into creative people and I'm a very, and he likes creative intelligence. And that's it's a, something it's a totally that, different thing. Yeah. Which I, I had and like Grimes and me have very, there's a lot of similarities with that. And that's probably, that was probably the coolest one. So I've met in briefing stuff. Like I met Kathy Griffin. I've met most housewives. So now, how did you avoid not getting into music? I, 
I used to, I think because I, I still had a lot of trauma with music in okay. high school. Like, I'm very. I just feel like you would naturally gravitate towards songwriting. I want to. I really want get to. Get the acoustic out. And let, so, you know. and I really want to get into like EDM stuff. Like, I love it. Like, in, in high school, I was mm-hmm. in band. Um, and this is the level of music that I love. Like, I started out playing trumpet. I switched to French horn, was doing French horn during concert band. And then trumpet during jazz band and marching would, season. Would not have been able to research this. Oh, yeah. And then. Oh yeah, this is all like back. But then <laughs> I um I wanted I started teaching myself how to play a saxophone and like the flute. And I started teaching myself it and starting to teach myself so percussion. So that's why it's like I would pick it up. I mean, I kind of had a band teacher who definitely had a, a little bit of homophobia and I just got over it. I just kind of quit, which is kind of something that I think people don't realize is like that has really hindered me. A lot of places think just because you have a rainbow flag on the um on the place. And that you say you're accepting and you put the pronouns on your email signature that you're being inclusive, but yet still say these things that are very triggering. And then when you then when I finally say, hey, can you stop saying that it's met with aggression and a personal attack and then a double down. They just don't understand. Yeah, and they don't understand. And it's like my lived experience is something I'm trying to communicate with inclusivity and that we need to have these conversations. As long as they're accepting and understanding. Right. It's just... Can we have a conversation? Yes. And that's the thing is they don't want to have the conversations because they think it's a personal attack and it's like... Or maybe they're afraid of getting it wrong. Yes. And they're afraid that... or they're saying I'm being too sensitive, which is another, which is another triggering thing for me, which is I'm like, don't say I'm too sensitive. I'm telling you like... I have thick as fuck skin. I've had to. And it's like, I have sore spots and that's a sore spot. So doubling down on this stuff <laughs> it's not gonna work. is not working. And that's not inclusivity. So it's, that's something, you know, because now it's like, I'm very happy that queer visibility is what it is, but there's still need, there's still a lot of work to be done. And there's still a lot of uncomfortable conversations that need to be had. We had a band member, he was a bass player mm-hmm. and Tyler is now Taylor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we watched her go through the the whole transformation mm-hmm. and it was very, very hard on her. Yeah. You know, and I don't think people understand that level of commitment. Yeah. When, when somebody's going, they're they're basically waking up mm-hmm. to themselves. Yes. You've got to be patient. You gotta be understanding. Mm-hmm. You gotta be supportive as hell. Yes. And there is a level of personal safety that you have to be cognizant of because the violence against trans people, the violence against drag performers. I mean, I, I had, yeah. I mean, just like a month ago, I was in drag and I had a death threat. Someone came up and said that I should die for what it Where is. Where does the hostility come from? I think because it's just fear. It's different. And it's right. like, and also like when I'm in drag, I mean, I know how to do female illusion and it really throws people off. And like, and I also am not afraid to like, you know. What's like, female illusion? Like that's my, when I'm in drag, I have female illusion. I have male, like, it's when I it's well, it's just a technical term for drag where it's like when you're in glam drag, okay, okay. like you do female illusion drag or right. like male illusion drag. Um, like I'm not afraid to be in like full female illusion and like, just like go to a urinal and pee in heels. And that will freak people out. She talks about bathrooms and stuff where it's sure. like, you know, I don't feel comfortable using the bath Cause it's like, that will freak people out. And it, and it also, I, I look hot as a, a woman and <laughs> men get very uncomfortable when they find out I'm a man because it's like, Oh, I'm kind of attracted to a man, but it's like, you know, just be comfortable. It's like, I know what I'm doing and it's, it's a play on pop culture and stuff like that. So. Well, cool. Uh, We've covered a lot of ground. Yes. I mean, let's just get in the hat one more time. Okay. And if there's anything else that sparks, we'll do it. Drag. 
So we just did that we've, one. We've covered drag Let me do a, pretty well. I got two more. What is it? Well, here's a question. What's something about drag that you think a lot of people don't get still? Um, That most drag performers have had horrendous lives. They have been through such a level of bullshit and just trauma. And drag is what made them survive with me personally if it wasn't for Zenobia I wouldn't be here I've gotten through suicide attempts with her I've gotten through my recovery with, art with her with art therapy and everything so and that actually was I think one of the things but um yeah and the hat but yeah I mean was it's, it was it one of the hat I think items? it was I think there's one more podcasting and I then, only had like 30 seconds to yeah, do that and then ta- so yeah we got co- but like with the art therapy it's like you know drag is a form of therapy and most drag performers I always say when you do drag um, it takes a lot to do that. It takes a I'm lot sure. for someone to create the character and whatnot. It's also the headspace you got to yes, get into. You got to get into it. And it's, it's the person's way of trying to bring their life. They've been through something that fractured their like spiritual life and drag brings it back. But with these fractures, since drags bring the light back, it's kind of filtering through those cracks in a prism. So it's like really like it's almost like light going through a prism to make a rainbow. Has it it helped? Do the pains still exist or are they um, much, much less? It makes it easier. And it's kind of that's how that because that's how they got through it. And so you're seeing you're seeing this come back out of of them. And it's all feel good. It's all it's meant to feel good. And it's meant to meant the performer feel good. And that's something I think people understand. Like if you're having a bad day, you're going through a depressive episode, you're having some mental health issues, go to a drag show because you will instantly smile no matter what you're going through. You're going to feel good because drag makes people feel good. That's all it's about. It's about the queer community coming together and celebrating fabulousness and, and bringing the light that's been taken from us back into us and really projecting that. it so that's awesome yeah i always say it's like the rainbow it's the rainbow thing like i know the, the rainbow flag is big with queer but like there's more to the rainbow than so i'm going to ask you a question yeah. that maybe you would relate to okay i remember being 18 years old and i i have very very powerful mirror neurons so however you're being I'm my brain will naturally start being like you. I'm the so same way. If somebody's really nervous. I start getting a little mm-hmm. bit nervous. If somebody starts stammering, I'll start stammering. Mm-hmm. Somebody's really tense. I'll be kind of tense. And then the interview gets kind of rigid. But one of the things that I noticed with these mirror neurons, I felt like I was able to actually see at a very young age. I think it's kind of gone away. My soul. Yes. And what I saw and I, I felt like I saw it often. And what my soul was, was. It was a collection of colors. Yes, darker hues, indigo, maroon. Mm. Um, if it was a if it was a green, it would be like a, a, a darker green. But I would see all of it. But it was all really brilliant and really beautiful. And it stopped. But I think that lives in all of us. Mm-hmm. Maybe different shades of that. Yeah. Did Did you ever experience anything like that? Is the question. Yes. Almost like a peacock. Yes. Inside that, I mean, of that's, your body. That's drag, though. That yeah. is. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's that that light that you're talking about, I mean, with my trauma, I can and I even can remember like when I was writing my trauma memory at the climax of my first book, I um, I remember seeing like a light leave me like in a weird way, like psych, mm. like in my third eye, I saw it. And it started coming back when I started creating Zenobia. And when the first time I, I remember the it was a very powerful experience the first time I actually put on her. 
And I was like, oh, I am her. Like, I'm kind of getting goosebumps now because it's still that powerful to me. And I remember saying, oh, this is that light that was taken from me. She's bringing it back in. And that's why she means so much to me. And but yet that light now, because there is fractures in my spirit, it it's it's projecting it and it amplified it and made it more glittery and more sparkly. And it now projects out. So when I'm in drag, like it's also making other people feel good because my whole so thing that is that would helping. be the thing that most people I don't think understand. Yeah. Is that, you know, you really see like the level of survivalness and the tenacity of the human spirit. When it's you not just somebody dressing up as another character. Yeah. It's it's like their soul yeah. embodying like a kind of physical manifestation. Yes. And you are seeing that person, I mean, be them true selves, even if it's, you know, might not be like the their true self, but you're seeing a very vulnerable and true side to them and drag makes you vulnerable well i love it people are going to learn more about this if they come november 4th to the harford artist gallery yes. please be advised that since the taping of this episode dates for the rockstar life season two book signing may have changed check the link in the description for details and i'm having another book launch It'll be on my website. So, yes. Sorry, I, I forgot the dates. <laughs> no. So we're talking about hashtag Rockstar Life yes. season number two. You can find the books on Amazon, but make sure you put the hashtag Rockstar Life one word. Yes. You won't find it as easily. Derek, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love this. So I'm excited. <laughs> so we will get this edited and out. And thank you again for being on the show. No, thank you.